From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Today, the second part in our special feature on aged care. Hundreds of aged care centres are facing financial collapse as the crisis in the sector takes its toll. Nearly 200 nursing homes that are housing 50,000 Australians are reportedly operating at a high risk of insolvency. Documents tendered to a royal commission reveal many more facilities are on the brink and the whole system could tumble. The root of the crisis lies in reforms made decades ago to supercharge the sector's privatisation. Bupa gets nearly half a billion dollars from the Australian taxpayer, as well as the money you receive from elderly Australians, to keep your focus. How on earth did you lose your focus? Yesterday, we heard about a system of accommodation bonds in which residents have paid billions of dollars to secure their care, used by private providers for property investments and guaranteed by the taxpayer. In the second half of this special two-part series, the Saturday Paper's Rick Morton investigates what happened to the aged care sector under the leadership of Prime Minister Tony Abbott and Treasurer Scott Morrison. This is part two, the mess of Morrison's making. Rick, Yesterday we talked about how the Howard government set up the the privatised framework for our aged care system, a framework that was then further entrenched by the last Labor government. So what happened next? What happened when Tony Abbott came to power? So by the time the coalition came to power in late 2013, the aged care system was, you know, it already resembled a Rube Goldberg machine. So if any single element in this astonishingly complex artifice failed, then the whole thing would break down. And so the system, you know, it's already dangerously out of balance. It met its new chaperone in Tony Abbott. We do need better aged care systems. Uh, Most of us have had uh, aged relatives in aged care institutions of one sort or another. And in both timing and temperament, the two were almost uniquely mismatched. I've certainly had... uh, uh, both of my grandparents in aged care institutions, they're good, but we want them to be better. Abbott had been Prime Minister for only a matter of days when in September 2013 he hit pause on this brand new $1.4 billion workforce compact for nursing homes that had been legislated by the outgoing Labor government. Uh, essentially, our policy will be about reducing the paperwork that aged care providers face because if they're spending less time doing bureaucracy, they'll have more time and more money to spend on providing better care. So over four years, the program would have delivered a down payment on wage increases for care workers and registered nurses. But Abbott canned it. And the money that was saved, the $1.4 billion, was returned to the general aged care budget, which private providers, all the outsourced nursing homes, were ecstatic about because it gave them even more control of financing. So we had that first, and then in mid-2014, just six months after this workforce reform was killed off, the Assistant Minister for Aged Care, Mitch Fifield, torpedoed the Dementia and Severe Behaviour Supplement. And more than 25,000 people were being supported by this supplement. The unmet demand for dementia services in aged care facilities was huge, but the reason this thing was axed by Fifield was because it had been oversubscribed. So rather than deal with the the estimated cost of that care, which blew out to $110 million, 
Senator Fifield centralised dementia support in these severe behaviour response teams at a total cost of just $14 million a year. So this decision was, you know, it was far from ideal, but it didn't really change the fundamentals of how aged care was funded or delivered. That would happen the next year when Scott Morrison became treasurer. Mm, Okay. So tell me about what Scott Morrison did. Morrison had been in his new job just three months when he delivered his first mid-year economic update in December 2015 as Treasurer. It's a matter of getting a program under control and ensuring the right eligibility requirements are set around that program and so you don't get uh, the blowout... Morrison as Treasurer booked a $472 million saving to be redirected by the government to repair the budget and fund policy priorities. That's, That's their words. That's what targeting and keeping measures as tight as possible does. It helps the people who needs the most and ensures that there's no expenditure in that program which can be... The money was shaved from the aged care funding instrument by pretty much redrawing the, the boundaries for how providers can claim complex health care under the funding instrument. And the next year, Morrison rated the same aged care funding instrument again. This time he found a further $1.2 billion in savings and that money was also redirected by the government to repair the budget and fund other priorities. Um, That was written in the budget papers. So this was a real departure from previous governments. So when Abbott made his changes in 2013, he didn't actually cut the fund. He just redirected uh, the workforce and the wage increases back to the general funding pool for aged care providers. But the money was still staying in aged care, essentially. Correct, correct. The money stayed in the aged care system. In in fact, it stayed directly with the subsidy for providers. But under Morrison, the money vanished. Right, OK. So there was, uh, in total, $1.7 billion that was taken out of the aged care budget when Scott Morrison was treasurer. What was the effect of that, Rick? It was enormous. It was huge. A registered nurse, um, you know, she's got more than 30 years' experience in aged care. She didn't want to be named, but she um, does work across this entire sector in kind of consulting roles. And she told me that this was the move, the policy change that brought the aged care sector to its knees. Those were her words. Such an intervention would have been difficult to absorb at kind of any time in the aged care sector. It's a lot of money. But the timing of the Morrison savings was particularly sharp. Labor's reforms had unleashed this explosive growth in investment in the aged care sector accommodation bonds. Private providers had flooded the market. And the system relied on this complex web of both private funding through these bonds and resident fees and government subsidies. So Morrison's budget cuts acted like a concrete block on a racetrack. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters.
Rick, in 2016, when Scott Morrison was treasurer, he reduced the funding that was available to the aged care sector, funding that they were relying on to fulfil their main function of, of providing aged care services. So tell me about the impact of that decision. Yes. So the decision kind of tipped the entire system into crisis. Suddenly, a, a whole sector that relies on outside investment because the government doesn't want to fund all of these extra bells and whistles isn't an attractive investment option because even the basic subsidy was being pared back by the government. It was being shaved, it was being cut, it was being slashed. By the mid-2010s, with the aged care sector almost entirely relying on this government funding for general revenue, providers were also raking in tens of billions of dollars worth of accommodation bonds. These bonds are paid by residents and they were being used to fund capital works, whether that's building an entire new nursing home or refurbishing an old one. So on the one hand, the sector was operating on government funding to meet their operating costs. But on the other hand, they were making profit for their shareholders or their directors by investing the money residents themselves paid in the form of bonds. This dynamic created something of a death spiral because they are inextricably linked. So when the bonds started to dry up because of a range of reforms, including funding changes that allowed older Australians to stay in their own homes for longer, the, the whole thing kind of tipped out of balance. So basically this privatised system that had been designed by successive governments had the rug pulled out from under it. Right, so you're saying that for different reasons, both government subsidies and the bonds that the aged care sector relied upon both started to dry up at the same time and that's where we come to this position that you're calling a death spiral. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a bad state of affairs and there are so many moving parts to this but they're all linked. And, and most importantly of all, quality declined. And we know that the landmark Four Corners investigation really highlighted how bad this was. An investigation into the state of aged care across Australia. Five months ago, we asked you, the audience, to tell us about your experiences with aged care. We received more than 4,000 responses from families, staff and industry. There was, you know awful slot being served to residents. It's, you know, minimum $6 a day for food that just looks completely inedible. I think families think that they're getting um, their loved one looked after. I think that they think that they're paying for that to happen. And in reality, it's, it's just not. We've got poor hygiene, people who are not getting washed properly or they're rationing continence pads. Her world, it was black and she couldn't hear and she could smell that there was faeces next to her and she knew she had to press a button of which she was scared to do because she didn't know the response that she would get from the staff member that would come. Neglect abuse is a feature of this system. It is not an outlier. And that's the system that was created. And, and that report, in addition to kind of other media pressure, ultimately formed the Royal Commission because Scott Morrison had previously not really come to the table on that and it was him that announced it. Uh, we discussed this together as a cabinet and we decided it was necessary to move forward uh, with a Royal Commission into the aged care sector, which includes uh, the... We've now been watching this Royal Commission unfold and they've been examining this sector in more detail and more detail. And thanks to them, we know how bad things are. You know, it's not to say we didn't know at the time, but it has reconfirmed, I guess, our assessment of this sector because anyone who's had a loved one in aged care knew about this. But what we didn't know uh, and what the Royal Commission didn't know even was that things were about to become a whole lot worse. Worse how? Well, I mean, we already know from the consultants in the Department of Health um, that at least 140 aged care providers are on the brink of collapse. 
the Department of Health actually got a, a consultant in at the start of this year, Gary Barnier, he's a member of the Aged Care Financing Authority, which is a government agency, and they asked him to look at, you know, how much of this sector is actually under stress at the moment and, and you know, his report showed the effects of this meddling because he identified a bunch of providers that were at, and this is their words, extreme imminent risk of failure. Approximately 50 aged care providers, that's one per week, are likely to walk away from delivering services due to financial stress in 2020. That modelling was handed in in February this year before a single nursing home went into lockdown. And, you know, there's no denying that COVID subsequently has had a huge impact. And there's a separate piece of work that was done in the department um, by uh, Ansel Strategic that looked at how much have providers themselves lost in accommodation bonds. Ansel Strategic estimated by uh, earlier um, in August, actually, just a couple of weeks ago, that $1 billion has already been lost across the aged care sector in Australia as of July. By January, they forecast that figure to climb to $2.6 billion. And we are really starting to see this house of cards collapse. Remember, top heavy, bonds at the top, government funding being cut at the bottom, not rising to meet costs. Those two things acting together are extremely powerful forces. Wow. Okay. So where does that leave the federal government then? Because they have oversight over the aged care sector and they also, they guarantee these bonds that the sector uses and and relies upon. So will the Commonwealth intervene if these centres do start to topple? Well, they're trying to figure out what it will do. And there was a nugget of information from the Royal Commission last week that shows the Commonwealth lawyers actually confirmed to the inquiry that the Department of Health and the Department of Treasury actually arranged these urgent meetings with major financial institutions, so, you know, banks and lenders, to say, well, what do we need to do? And, you know, their words were there were discussions as to whether the institutions thought government intervention would be required and in what circumstances. Because the important thing to remember here is that the governments are the ultimate guarantor of those $30 billion in bonds. That little nugget, about the Treasury and health meeting with the banks and the, and the financial lenders, that's the first time the public has heard anything about how close this government has already come to having to bail itself out of its own mess. And um, I think time's up. The government um, has to do something. Um, and there is a budget soon, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Mm. Is the system fixable at this point, Rick? It seems like the structural problems run so deep that it's almost an impossible feat now. It, it, that's my view. Um, I mean, I think the whole thing needs to be raised to the ground, personally. Um, and even, you know, Brendan Murphy, who's now the um, Secretary of the Department of Health, gave evidence at the Royal Commission on Friday. And he essentially said that, um, in fact, these were his words, there needs to be a fundamental reset of the aged care sector. It needs significant redesign. The thing that got us here has been tinkering at the edges. This thing has been a Frankenstein's monster of policy, essentially, because it is such a big task to redo the whole thing. So no government really, since Howard, has had the appetite to make any wholesale changes. But we can't keep going down that track. You know, we we can't have a bolt-on system anymore because there's no coherence um, and none of the different parts talk to one another. And that's the core of the issue. I mean, funding's one thing, but there's no way of knowing where any of that money goes. So, you know, we really do need to start from scratch, I think.
Rick, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thanks for having me, Ruby. Always a pleasure. That was part two of the Grey Pyramid Scheme, our special investigation into aged care. If you haven't already, you can go back and listen to part one and read Rick Morton's reporting for this series at thesaturdaypaper.com.au. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship, and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also in the news today, a new leak of secret bank reports have revealed that millions of dollars in transactions flowing through Macquarie Bank and the Commonwealth Bank were flagged as potentially dirty money by overseas institutions. The leak, published by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalism, has raised fresh concerns about Australia's money laundering regulations. The Commonwealth Bank settled a case brought on by regulators over previous suspicious transactions for $700 million in 2018. And New Zealand is winding back its COVID-19 restrictions, despite three mystery cases being reported in Auckland. The city will remain on Level 2 restrictions, with caps of 100 on social gatherings, while the rest of the country will have no limits on domestic travel or gatherings. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.